You're listening to the We're Alright Podcast, hosted by Brandon Erseg. All right, back after our little break. Um, we were just finishing up on the sort of the playing career um, and I wanted to move on to a couple more things before we get on to some of our segments that we sort of run um, on the pod. But one thing I want to touch on, yeah, you know, great achievement being captain um, on field for six years. Like really good achievement. I'm real happy for you. Thanks, Big honour. Um, but probably maybe more importantly... I reckon, especially during those prime years when you guys were making grand finals, winning flags, very confident group, a lot of egos. I reckon you might have also been the off-field captain and driven the culture of that club. Um, it would have been a hard um, group of players to keep in check. and No doubt a lot of people at the club in high positions were holding their breath a lot of the time. But you did mention that the how close you guys were off-field and and what it was the culture was like in terms of what you guys did off field probably contributed to how well you went on field. Um, I know that you used to organise and host a lot of dinners, um, like during the week and that kind of thing. Um, and I know I know from my own experience that you are the organiser of a lot of the social events. Um, is that just something that's in your nature or did you sort of identify that that's something that could help the group or did you, you just love having a good time? Uh, I think all of the above, but uh, let's, let's put it this way. Let's run through some of the players <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. and let's see if they could organise a piss up in a brewery. Yeah. Okay. So you got Ryan Davis. Yeah, right. I would give him no chance. No, Ryan. Ryan <laughs> doesn't even bring a towel or a uh, uh, a pair of um, a pair of socks, like <laughs> that. Are even you know, an even pair of socks. Okay, so that's that's one player. You've got uh, Stevie Coniglio, um, 15, 16 years old. Couldn't, yeah, couldn't couldn't actually do it. Yeah, um, you've got uh, good on field. Yeah, good on field. You've got uh, Matt Riggio. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, same scenario. He was Ryan Davis's. Yeah, very know, similar. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you've got the three Drummond Street boys in Tim Gapen, Wade Toomey, and Brett, Brett Robinson. Robinson. Yeah. Again, couldn't organise Pistol Brewery. So it's yeah. like. Uh, can, Tim Gapen can tell a good story. Can tell a good story. Different to organise. 100% right. <laughs> but. Uh, I couldn't even bring his lunch yeah. to work. Right? What Drummond Street boys? What obviously where they lived? Yeah, so they lived on Drummond Street, which I believe at that time was a investment property that was within the Brendan Parker family. Yeah, um, who was at the time um, the CEO of yep. the footy club. Yeah. So the interstate recruits needed a place to stay, yep. and that place was, I believed, earmarked and has been demolished. So having three footy players in there. Uh, when the house in the future was going to be sort of knocked down, was mm. no dramas, mm. uh, and we had a few, <laughs> yeah, we had a few gatherings at Drummond Street, yeah, um, and uh, yeah, that was quite enjoyable. So I suppose, uh, yeah, don't like, don't get me wrong, I I love an event, I uh, I love sucking back a few phone tops, um, I love doing it with those that want to do it as well, yeah. But you've got to have someone that coordinates it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was sort of the coordinator of that yeah. um, sort of little off-field stuff and uh, like trying to get a couple of bucks off players uh, to, you know, sort of put together like a bit of a slush farm was an absolute pain in the ass. Difficult at the best of times. 
Uh, there was there might have been a few, or there might be a few listeners of this pod that uh, we had this had this kitty. Yeah, this, this is fi- this finds kitty th- right. Th- this is coming. This is coming. This up as is well. coming up too. All right. Well, I won't I won't steal the thunder, <laughs> but um, I control the kitty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, there yeah, were yeah, there yeah, were a few yeah, rumors yeah. that yeah. I <laughs> yeah. that I uh, didn't treat the kitty with the respect that it deserved. Yeah. Um, and I called bullshit on those uh, right on on those so comments. You, Spelling some rumors because yeah. because that kitty was uh, definitely distributed in the appropriate manner across yeah, okay. all our functions. But right. there might be a few comments to yeah, say yeah, that so that yeah. was not the case. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, did you ever feel like it was going to get out of hand? Oh, all the time. <laughs> and it did get out of hand, and I can remember so vividly as well, is that we under stiff. Uh, it was a preseason. Uh, I think it might have been in 2017. Might have been my last year. Yeah. Might have been 2016. Yeah. But we had sort of initiated the rookie day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Where uh, I, I experienced this to, when to, it was proper rookie day. Yeah, a proper rookie Adam day. Adam Hunter. Right? I yep. experienced Adam Hunter. Yeah, there you no. go. Anyway, so yeah. uh, rookie day was where we would have a, a social event, and a senior player would take a younger player under his wing, mm-hmm. um, just to sort of get to integrate with the senior players. Um, because back back when I was a younger player. There was a very distinct divide between senior players and younger players, and, younger players. Mm. and you really had to earn your stripes uh, and be around the club for a period of time and and slowly sort of wedge your way in. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, like that still exists, but this was a bit of an opportunity to break those barriers down, sort of get the young players involved with uh, the senior players in a bit of a different environment. And throw a couple of beers in there, and everyone sort of you know loosens, and and everyone's personal barriers get sort of knocked down as well. And Stiff comes to me on like a Monday. He goes, uh, "You guys are having a few beers on the weekend, rookie day, right?" I said, "Well, yeah, we're, we're planning on doing that, but we know, but we know we've, we've got a training session beforehand." He goes, and "All we're doing is just your two k time trial before we get into the season." And I'm like, "Oh, that's great! Um, just a quick run, and, and and we're straight into it." Well, li- little on, in 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 hindsight, it was a bloody terrible idea. Because what does everyone do the night before or the the morning of a 2 k Well, you're not going to fill yourself up with heaps of food. No. Nah. You're not going to have breakfast the morning of. <laughs> and yeah. Stiff goes, all I need you to do, I need you to go balls out for your 2 k because we need to get this testing done for the sports science department. Yeah. And then you can have the day yourself. Yeah. We're like, okay, that's cool. That's easy. So 2K was in the morning. 2K though. was in the morning at yeah. 8 o'clock. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I was here for this. Yeah. How long does a 2K go for? If you are the oh. worst runner in the football club, your 2K goes for nine or maybe 10, ten. minutes. Jeez. Maximum. You'd want to be right? looking at yourself if it's 10, but yeah. Anyway, this is just being conservative, right? Yeah. So the, the, the 2K starts at 8 o'clock. Yeah. We're cracking cans by 8.15. Yeah. Essentially, we were, right? yeah. I couldn't cook the barbecue enough to get food in these guys' guts mm. at half past eight. Yeah, was that the night? We, is that the day we had bubble soccer as well? Yeah, was, was that another one? Oh, actually, I can't remember. It might have been. It might have been the same day the same that day. I arranged the bubble soccer. Yeah, <laughs> which went well. That was bloody unreal. Yeah. Right? Anyway, I remember. Then it was sort of raining outside. It was, it, was, it was a bit drizzly, right? Yeah. And I remember standing in the middle of the ground, Swan Districts Oval. With my hands in my head going, this is going to go from zero to 100 k's an hour so quick because no one's got any, anything in their guts. I had all these snaggers and all these buns and they went in the click of a finger. Yeah. And everyone's aims, we need more food. Like, everyone's like, just give me a couple of seconds. 
So it's like nine o'clock and some guys have had like four or five beers already and maybe not even a snack because there's none left. And then we all got into our dress-up kits and we were down in the change rooms playing beer pong and all this sort of stuff. All and, the usual, yeah. And all the usual cats are having a few beer and it went sideways real, yeah. real quick. And that was one moment I can remember going, oh, my God, I'm going to be in a bit of strife <laughs> oh. here. That, that day led to us losing access to the change rooms for any functions yeah, until, any until function. last year. There you go. Um, <laughs> uh, for those that might be listening to the podcast, there was a situation in one of the toilets where the ceramic bowl of the Swan Districts Football Club that was built in 1934 is most probably the still same porcelain ceramic bowl Potentially there. heritage listed. Potentially heritage <laughs> listed. That the engineering of the door that led into that cubicle was very, very ill-designed. Yeah. And someone had kicked that toilet door open and it had just touched or maybe even really rammed hard into the toilet bowl and the bowl got smashed from the floor level <laughs> up. So there's a... <laughs> And we had some characters there. We too. had some yeah. characters there. Yeah. You know. So that was the time. It took up until then, which is pretty good for it to feel like it got out of hand. Yeah, that 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 morning was just like, oh, we need to rain these guys. I was like seriously under the pumpers as like leader of the football club. We tore the place apart. We cleaned it up, right? We we we, we were very respectful. We cleaned it up. Yeah. But um we didn't sort of clean it up to the extent of um the appropriateness and uh yeah. and yeah, hey, look, you know, um we knew how to have a good time. And uh, there, we're, it's 2023 and we're still speaking about some of the great days <laughs> that have happened at this football club. Yeah. Um, and the, you live and you learn, don't you? Yeah, and as Jay always says, um, you know, let the boys be boys. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other, the other, one of the other things I want to touch on was um, playing on big forwards throughout your career once you transition into the um, back line and, and just the mentality of being a key defender and having to be down in the cage playing on the best forwards every week. Like you can probably touch on some of the forwards that you played on and who were some of your tougher opponents, but how did you sort of... I suppose, maintain that level or get into that mindset of... Because you, like you said, you're a pretty lean build as well. You're tall and great athleticism, but pretty lean build and you're playing on some absolute monsters, but you did it so well for so long. How, how did you go about developing that and sort of maintaining, I suppose, that mindset? Uh, you had to know your limitations and know your strengths and also what the limitations and the strengths and weaknesses were of your opponent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I might have been quite lean, but I had a bit of toe. Um, I was quite, you know, fleet-footed. Mm. Uh, I knew that I had a, a pretty uh, good reach. Uh, so, you know, if spoils were counted in statistics... Uh, they are now. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Know, it would have been great if you know, <laughs> they were done maybe five years before I retired. Yeah. Uh, and obviously knowing how each of your opponents played through the great vision that um, Brian Dawson was doing, the great vision that uh, Greg Harding was doing, uh, you know, the vision that, you know, the newer style coaches were working with was um, super important and priceless and very valuable to, to players to be able to prepare for their opponents coming up. So that was uh, a way in which... Uh, I sort of prepared for those types of players. Mm. Um, but also, as I mentioned before, like I didn't have to worry about anything on the ground other than what was in my immediate vicinity, which was the direct play that I was on. Yeah. So that reduced the stress a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
but then also like if that was my role and that's how I'm built as a player like if you told you know like for example uh, Ryan Davis or um, uh, and Ash Hansen your role is to mark the ball and kick the goal if they were down in my end to say okay Ash Hansen you're now defending this player Ash Hansen would, 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 would know what to do with himself mm. but it's the it was the ability for the coaches to say, this is your role and if you play it and everyone else does their role, then we win the game. Yep. That gave me the confidence not to worry about anything else yeah. but to focus on that task at hand. Yeah. Um, and I've always been told that, uh, especially through my previous partners in, in life, um, like, what are you doing? But if I get given a set of instructions, I would, I would nail those instructions, yeah. no, no, no dramas at all. Yeah. So I've always been the king of flat packs. Um, I can put a flat pack out together, <laughs> like no dramas, because they've got instructions. Oh, I'll yeah. note, note that. Note that need hand. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just knowing that I was preparing myself well. Mm. I knew the strengths and weaknesses of my opponent. Um, and even though, you know, like shit, some of my uh, biggest opponents were, you know, like Chad Jones or like uh, Brad Smith. Uh, I played on, uh, you know, in my young career, like Ryan Turnbull and Daniel Bandy. I saw about Daniel Bandy. We're playing at Claremont <laughs> and I was playing in the ruck then against Daniel Bandy and I've gone up for a ruck tap and no word of a lie, before my feet hit the ground after that ruck tap, Daniel Bandy was getting the marking the ball in the Ford 50. <laughs> and I was like, who the hell is this bloke? And he'd just been delisted from, I think, Western Bulldogs yeah. and Frio. He, he played or, for both, didn't he? Yeah, yeah for yeah. both. And that was just the caliber of a player that he was. I was mm. like, wow, like I've got to know what I'm doing 10 minutes into the future rather than just being in the moment, I suppose, <laughs> which, which I was. Yeah. Uh, and it was just knowing who I was up against and having uh, the coaching team prepare for the vision and knowing you know, what their previous, uh, I suppose, involvement was. Uh, and saying, well, okay, Ames, that's your job. You do your job well. And if everyone else does your job well, well, then we, well, then we win the game. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, because yeah, you did it really well. And I learned a lot off of people like yourself in terms of playing on certain guys in their career. A couple like Justin Simpson when he was around, maybe, I don't know, some would argue didn't play on someone as... As, um, often, as what he should have. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I probably took something out of that too because if you're getting the ball yourself then yeah but anyway yeah and and that's what i had mentioned before like i wasn't i wasn't a smart footballer um i don't think myself as a smart footballer you know you have those midfielders or those halfback flankers that are always in the right position at the right time um i was led to the football by my forward uh, opponent so yeah. i was always around the football because i was led to the football um but I used my strengths and my I knew my abilities to I suppose be a good footballer on 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 paper yep. and a successful footballer because I got given a job or a set of instructions and I followed them well. Yep. Um, yeah, I couldn't be like a Justin Simpson where he was designated a player to play on at a in a back line, but he was so good because he fell off his play, he could read the play. He knew where the ball was gonna go mm. when the ball was being released from their back line yeah. into our into their forward line, yeah. and that's what Justin did. You know, as an example, did really really well. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But no, you 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 did a great job over the the career of playing on those those down, taking you into the cage one on one kind of thing over the career. No, it was it was uh, good to watch. And that was a bit of a gag. Like I love being in the cage. Like I love those those pressure situations. Um, 
And hey, sometimes you lost them and you got told about that you lost them. Yeah. But on the times that you were successful, um, well, it's a, it's a great opportunity to celebrate your success. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. Now we're going to get on to some, some of our segments and one of them in particular is going to be good fun um, given who we've got on. But no, nah, the first one and just some quick fire questions and I'm only going to ask you a few of these because I am more interested in a couple of them than others. So the first one, and I'm, you might have too many to know, but I'm hoping you'll have one because not everyone does with this one, but best sledge you have heard or copped, if any. The best sledge yeah. that I copped yeah. was, uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, I had a, a childhood stutter and I sort of still do stutter when I am either nervous or if – I'm already thinking so far into the future that my brain or my mouth needs to catch up with my brain. <laughs> I'm a bit of a like a, a real quick thinker. Yeah. But my mouth is a little bit sort of a couple of steps behind. Yeah. So there was one <laughs> there was one time that I was speaking absolute gibberish. And then I don't know who it was, but they were like, Junior. And I was like, okay, you got me there pretty good. there was another one where I was very, I was very renowned for being the loudest player on the ground. Yeah, you could hear me from anywhere, like anywhere within the stadium, <laughs> right? And uh, I was, li- I was lining up next to Brad Smith, and I've, I've, I pride myself on being a touch and field player, like really being understanding where my play was, and I was right up Brad Smith's clacker, like touch and feeling, and I was screaming out orders like this, that, and I was screaming into. Brad Smith's ear. Yeah. And he goes, Amesy, can you like just shut the fuck up? Because I'm going to have to get hearing aids <laughs> after this game. And I was like, oh, that's actually not bad. And, yeah. and, and, and that was pretty good. And there was uh, another time where uh, I was called an absolute bloody space cadet and a weirdo by, I think it was Bill Monaghan. So as I was coming off the ground at like a quarter or a three-quarter time exchange yeah. and I was just like verbal diarrhoea, um, <laughs> I got absolutely sprayed by Bill Monaghan. Really? Um, and it was, it was pretty true and correct at that game because <laughs> I think I was just blurting out all this instruction or this and that, whatever. And um, I think the previous year or that year we had travelled um, for state football I don't think Bill and I got on very well, but <laughs> I respect Bill Monaghan yeah. immensely, yeah. just for the record. Just, um, just personality, he's, he's, slot, yeah, personality I clash. I think it was just personality clash yeah. um, because, you know, Bill's an absolute stalwart of uh, the Waffle fraternity, yeah. uh, both as a player and, and as a coach. And um, I've got a, a massive ton of respect for him, but um, Bill is very, very a white line fever coach oh, yeah. and player. Heard. And I think that just rubbed off on that particular day. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's all right. So um yeah, but that wasn't unusual of being getting called a weird cat <laughs> or, or what the hell is going on through your brain, Amesy? Because I also had a bit of a white line fever, but in a, a bit of a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Um so this one, three people that you'd take to dinner, anyone, and then I want your uh, normally I ask for current players, current teammates, but I want three teammates you would take with you to that dinner. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yep. Um, more so from like a motivational bodybuilding side. Yeah. Because I'm not that person. 
But if you've ever watched Pumping Iron, yeah. the <laughs> next thing you want to do is just jump into the gym. Yeah. And I've had to do that a couple of times to spark up my motivation to yeah. sort of lift weights. Yeah. So Arnold Schwarzenegger will be one. Um, yeah, you've really put me on the spot here. Uh, I don't really have... I don't really have like idols. That's all right. Let's go straight to the three teammates that you take with you to dinner then. Because that's what I'm really interested in out of this question. All right. And you have to pick, you, you just, I don't want like, oh, but it, mate, like four or five. I just want three. Okay. Uh, I take Swoop. Yeah. Tim, Tim Gaffin. Yeah. He's just, yeah. You know, um, if you get him on, if you get him on the pod, because I know yeah. that you might do a, a long distance one. Well, yeah, I've got to work out the technology, but yeah. I'm sure it's really capable. Asking about the Pringle can? Yeah, so, I've heard this. Okay, so, I've heard uh, this story. There's a real good one about um, Tim and, and how successful <laughs> he is with Pringle cans. <laughs> so you'd have him tell him that story at absolutely, the dinner? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and also I asked Tim about um, his parking fine, his okay. parking fines. All right. Because uh, Swoop had a, uh, a car that had Tassie plates and racked up a whole bunch of uh, Perth, city of Perth parking fines and thought he got away with it. So uh, <laughs> ask him about that one there. Uh, current players, Tim Gapen. Uh, I would take... Um, oh, there's, you put me on the spot in regards to not being able to take many players. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got to pick two more. Yeah, two more. Um, Oh man, you've definitely put me on the spot. Um, I would take uh, a couple of players that were always at our Tuesday night dinners. So you said that I hosted some Tuesday yeah. night dinners, yeah. and that was an opportunity for us to just all get together and have a bit of a chat, and speak about the game, and speak some pump. And we also invited a rookie player every week to sort of integrate with yeah, us nice. as players, but they had to bring dessert. Yeah, right. So that was pretty handy. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, I'll get back to you on that. So we've got Tim right. Gapen as, as the first one. Yeah. And uh, before we end, I'll give I'll get, you right, the two. And can you give me, as an extension of that question, who you wouldn't take to dinner or who you just want to avoid or teammate you'd want to avoid, wouldn't want to room with, wouldn't want to take on a dinner? <laughs> you, have to, you have to pick one. Just one. Yeah. I just want one. Oh, if you got multiple, <laughs> then you wouldn't. But <laughs> otherwise, I want one. Okay. One would be either... Yeah. Either, and I'll give you a good reason why. Yeah. Either uh, Michael Embley. Yeah. Or Lane Spanderman. Okay. Both Ruckman, which is. Uh, and both yeah. have a few beers absolutely terrorized me. Yeah, okay. What, like, just you specifically? Oh, uh, well, no, just in, in general. In in general, but yeah. because I was the holder of the kitty, yeah, okay. I was always hounded upon to. Go get more of this, or go get more of that, yeah, or yeah, go yeah, and yeah. buy this, or Amesy put some money over the bar. And I was like, hang on, I'm the sort of the half CFO here. I've got to make sure we got enough for the rest of the night, or yada yada. yada. <laughs> uh, and I remember being punched square in the chest by I'm pretty sure it was Michael Embley, who's called the Cyclops and the Cyclone, <laughs> and it took the wind out of me. <laughs> and I think I gave him fifty bucks to go buy yourself a beer because I can't handle it anymore. <laughs> But they are absolute rippers, <laughs> yeah. Panda and and our Michael Embley. But yeah. I have, if you ask me for someone, it's because I'm scared of them when they're yeah, on the Yeah, okay. Piece. I'm scared yeah, of that's them. That's a good reason. Yeah, yeah. okay. 
All right, now we're going to get on to the, the dirt on Amesy or the info. We'll call it info as well because I don't think you're going to take all this as dirt, to be honest. But the, fir- the first one I've got is, we've mentioned it already. So the Dean were a sponsor for a couple, one or two years. It was only the premiership. Oh, I thought it was only the premiership year, but maybe it was longer. I think it, I think it rolled, it, you see, it rolled into the next year, but then shit at the fan when there was a bit of a um, situation in town with Luke Adams. Yeah, okay. Um, and yeah. that was after, yep. or that was on the, on the same night yep. that, um, you know, we were at the Dean. Yeah. It didn't, we were, it was totally separate. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the club just decided to ensure that um, we weren't really affiliated with those types of establishments, which yep. was a bit of a kick in the butt from the Dean's perspective. Yeah. But, um, you know, the whole world in regards to affiliations, whether they're, they're right, Absolutely. wrong, left or right. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm pretty sure that it, it did lead into uh, 2011 as well, but uh, yeah, that yeah. was that so that's good times. So yeah, because a couple of people I asked said mentioned the Dean cards. Um, you were responsible for. It sounded like you were responsible and the main person when it came to the cards that were involved with the sponsorship and what you could get at the Dean and just the Dean in general. Yeah, well, someone had to organise them <laughs> because if. No one made the phone call or sent the email or shook the hand that night or the couple of days before, mm. then you wouldn't be able to have a few free beers yeah. on the Dean uh, that Saturday night. Yeah. So uh, everyone was – obviously, we all converged at the Dean. We had a little spot uh, there and um, – I think it was because of a, a lack of wanting to organise from other players. Like, AMZ, just go and organise those cards. And obviously, if you don't have to organise them, but get a few cards in your back pocket, that's yeah. a pretty good win for you. Yeah. Um, and I suppose one of my traits or, 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 or things that I like doing is that I like to make sure that everyone around me is having a bloody good time. Yeah. Yeah. And if I can influence that with by organising a couple of drinks or – organising a bus or organising a footy trip that I can be a part of as well, well then how good's that for everyone yeah. involved? Oh, yeah, unreal, yeah. So yeah. Um yeah, so th- we touched on this before as well, but the goal you kicked in your two hundredth game I got um uh, told to ask you about. That was uh that was Which was two thousand and fourteen, I think. Uh yeah would have been having a look. here here against uh against East Frio. Yep. Uh and the re- the only reason why this came about was because I think we had a six or seven or, or maybe even a 10 goal lead. Yeah, okay. So uh, we were going pretty good on, on the day and uh, as, a bit of a, <laughs> as a bit of a piss take, Greg had sent the runner out to me and uh, had gone Amesy up to full forward. And I was, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> is, this, is this a bit of a gag? And uh, as you mentioned, I was sort of close to sort of being around that 50 sort of goal mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think this contributed to maybe being my 50th or just getting over 50 yeah, goals. Right. And um, so I'm running down uh, from fullback, so from the Red Rooster end coming down towards the Guildford end. And all the East Fremantle players are going, what's going on here? <laughs> Amesy never goes from outside the defensive 50. And uh, made, my, made my way down there and, and went all the way down to the gold square, knowing that if I did have the opportunity to kick a goal, I didn't want to be too far out. Stay in the cage. I think I, think I actually ran over the <laughs> ran over the goal lines. When I let out, I wouldn't be too far, <laughs> too far past the square. Um, and it just so happened that that, that was the case. Uh, I can't remember who kicked it to me, but it was a, a lace-out kick, about 45. Um, I marked the ball. The crowd went wild on the little members, uh, little steals down there. And my butt was just like 
clenching. I was just like, oh my God, I'm going to absolutely cook this. I'm just, I'm, all I'm thinking is, and I'm on, I'm on my left hand side, so I'm on, I'm on, non, so I'm, I'm on a side that isn't favored for Your left footers. Foot, yeah. And all I'm thinking is, ball is going to go hard spray out into the car park. Uh, and it started like that, and it sort of arced bent, around. You bent got the around, swing on it. And it looked absolutely terrible <laughs> off the boot, and, a, and, a, and it, it floated through. Goal's a goal. Um, and a goal's a goal, and it was great. And everyone came from around the ground. Um, for those that want to jump onto my Facebook uh, profile um, or my, my little banner page, yeah. that's, that still sticks up there. That's as, that photo. As a, as a pretty good memory. You've yeah. Got, Matty Rogers almost, but he took me out and almost, you know, broke my back because he jumped so hard onto me. But um, it was just a really good opportunity that uh, Stiff took to, you know, celebrate. Um, you know, what was a great day. We, we won the game as well, and um, uh, and yeah, it was a it was a nice milestone. Yep. You know, there's, there's not many times that milestone games get uh, won. Yeah, absolutely. To start off with, especially at our club, we always bloody cook them. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It, it was nice. It was good. Yeah. And um, yeah, obviously that was uh, Stiff's. Um, coaching super move and, and he'll obviously take all credit, full for that. credit for that maybe why he was the one who wanted that asked that's all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um does he have another question as well that i reckon well, he's, he's there, asking there might well. be a few but yeah, the, yeah, yeah. so next one is you, you uh, got told to ask about your varicose veins yep. getting stripped absolutely so give us some bit of a rundown on that because oh, i've got no idea what, what what that's all so, about so varicose veins are, are those um unsightly like telephone cords that are on the surface of your legs yeah. the, the actual veins that are now defunct in the body and they hold on to a lot of backflow of blood the the valves within the veins don't work properly yeah so they're really obsolete veins or blood vessels within your within your lower body uh, it's a hereditary condition um, my mother um, has had hers uh, sort of operated on and uh and removed as well mm. um and i just so happen to have them and if uh you look at a couple of uh images that might be floating around the internet of obviously during my playing days um, especially on my left no, my right thigh i had some really distinct like literally telephone cords yeah. going down my legs and um back when uh, was towards the latter in my career. I was like, oh, well, I think if I was to get a couple more years out, I really need to get these operated on because in future years, if they don't get uh, removed, it can cause a lot of swelling in the legs and a lot of pain. And um, at that point in time, that wasn't uh, apparent in my legs, but I was like, well, if I want to sort of play any sort of further, I, I want to make sure that I'm in at least tip-top um, sort of condition that I can. Yeah. So I think it was the end of 2016 or 15 uh, that I had both legs operated on, one after the other in a preseason, where they sliced one of the veins upright in your groin uh, and they literally, with a metal hook, um, they rip out the vein, the surface veins, and they, um, they uh, nick into your like, surface area of your skin and they rip the veins out. Wow. So my, my legs went from being looking like telephone lines going through them to almost being able to be on a cover of a, uh, a modelling <laughs> magazine. Um, yeah, it took me uh, a good sort of pre-season to recover from that. But yeah, uh, but yeah it was something that um, didn't need to have happened, but it was more of a preventative uh, procedure yeah, rather yeah. than anything to do with anything that was, um, was going down. Yeah. I, did, I did have a couple of dramas in the season afterwards where I got a couple of heavy knocks in my shin and like my whole shin had blown up and um who was the trainer back in the day 
Oh, um, big Paul, uh, Paulie Johnson. Yeah. Uh, sorry, not Paulie Johnson, Paul McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, had to literally, like, on a number of occasions, like, pressurise my shin to make sure that my shin didn't literally explode <laughs> with the, uh, the, uh, the internal bleed that had happened in my legs. So, um, yeah, that was an experience, good but um, <laughs> it was good fun. Yeah. Um, talking about your body, early 2000s with Hawthorne, which I think you mentioned before, um, that you might have done a pre-season with them over in Melbourne, a uh, full pre-season yep. um, with a chance of getting drafted, which yeah, unfortunately didn't happen. Um, maybe a bit unlucky there, but um, apparently you beat the skinfold record all time. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this, this is true. And what was the rating? Uh, Do you remember so what the what the recorded number was? I think it was a, it was like a seven, seven sight skin fold, seven sight skin fold, and I think I had come out at like twenty five. <laughs> Or thirty-five mil far out, and uh, I'd come back to the, I'd come back to the club, and now there was a scenario where um, yeah, I was classed as the uh, the best skinnies in Hawthorne in in '05, and um, that was when you had players like Spider Everett floating around. Yeah, um, Shane Crawford was there. Uh, um, what was the other guy's names? Um, who played for Luke Hodge would have been around then. Hodgie was then. Oh, Hodgie just got drafted. Yeah, along with Buddy Franklin, just got drafted yep. then. Yep. Um, Vandenberg. Van, Richie Vandenberg was there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Chase Bance, uh, 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 Bateman. Chance Bateman yep. was there. Um, like that was that was Hawthorne's like like what's going down? Dave? Yeah, We're yeah, just yeah. about to get into their three yeah. peat. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was an experience, uh, and yeah, uh, they had a. A list of players and how they were choosing them in the draft order, and um, I just was at the bottom of the list mm. um, because other players were picked up or not picked up, and as other players went in and out of their list, um, I was just not able to be picked up. Yeah. That's how it was, mm. and that's how it is. Yeah, yeah, that's just the way it goes sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. You have to have the right um, timing and a bit of luck as well. Mm. Um, Mad Mondays, so they'd often end up. I'm told at your place slash your mum's place, um, depending on the time. Um, was there an occasion where you might have lost it and kicked the boys out of your house? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this was a big day. We started at the footy club, went down to the Bazo Hotel. Yep. Uh, that was all good until old mate Lane, Span- Lane, Lane Spanderman, yeah. by accident apparently, <laughs> Elbowed one of the uh, plate glass windows and it got busted. <laughs> and we had been told that um, it might be time for you guys to uh, leave, to move on and, and find a different location. Yeah. And it was a scenario where the family home was on the same street as uh, as as the pub. Yeah. And yeah. Parker Street. Yep. Parker Street. And this leads into the only regret in my life. The only regret that's that a, I have. That's a big call. Big call. The only regret in my life that I've had so far. It's like, yeah, come on over. Come to, come to Ames' place. I'm, I'm more than happy to host. Um, called up mum. Hey, mum, just let you know I might have a few boys come over for a few beers. Um, I said, okay, well, we'll get some beers for you. We'll get some food. We'll get the pizzas happening. And uh, I was like, yeah, okay, that, that's cool. That's cool. Anyway, um, everyone came over to the back of um, uh, our, our family home. Uh, it ended up with Michael and Jimmy Embley um, 
pulling out some of the herb garden and eating it from the roots up. <laughs> uh, Joel Cornelius and Shane Beros lighting a campfire on the back lawn. <laughs> uh, Mick Embley threw this ginormous uh, garden rock over the fence <laughs> onto the barbecue of the guy next door and obliterated the barbecue. I had Joel Cornelius on the roof ripping off our foxtail dish. <laughs> Shit got a bit sideways. It sounds like it was probably fair. Oh, it was total mad Monday, genuine, yeah. just boys Chaos, being boys yeah. stuff, right? <sighs> Jimmy Embley ate a Nick Nanui dread, <laughs> like when he had his dread, like his real thick young yeah. dreads, cut one off and attempted to eat it, but then threw it up because obviously he couldn't eat Nat Nui's dread because it was just so thick. Anyway, mum comes over. She goes, oh, I think you boys are, are maybe need a bit more food. I was like, hey, mum, <laughs> we don't need anything from you. Like, we're going all right. Everything's all happening. Just leave us alone. Just let us. And I absolutely threw it verbally at my mum who was just trying to help us, who was just trying to look after all the boys, try to feed us trying to buy more beers for us and I absolutely flipped it at her after most probably having a few beers in, um, in, my, in my pocket as well. And as soon as I said that, I was like, oh my God, I'm the worst person in the world right now. Mum's tearing up. I'm tearing up. I've gone, oh no, what have I done here? Uh, and my mum will do anything for anyone to make sure. And I, I just that's, my, that's most probably why I get a bit of a rub off to make sure that everyone around me is safe and well and happy, happy and well yeah. looked after and, and well fed and well watered. Yeah. And I was just too much of a big dog back in my youth then. And I said, no, nah, nah, I've got this, no dramas at all. And absolutely fed it to her. Uh, and to this day, it's my only regret that I made uh, someone who was just trying to look after me feel, feel so bad. Mm. And that person being my mum yeah. was, I've never, ever, ever, ever lived that down. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and you end up kicking the boys out, and I kicked them out real quick. And yeah. I think Mick Embley ripped off the side gate and said, "Well, go and jam up your ass, Amesy. <laughs> I'm taking this with me." So it wasn't <laughs> a fair impact. That so, <laughs> find the reason why I wouldn't take him to dinner because I'm literally shit scared yeah, of him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> destroyed the, the next door barbecue. Um, <laughs> took, took all the all the herbs out and started eating from the root, um, <laughs> uh, and took the side gate, gate literally him. off the hinges. Souvenir. Oh, yep. that's funny. Um, the A-team story. What's this about? Oh, okay, the A-team story. We're playing footy here. I don't know, I'm not sure who it was against. And um, whilst we were up here having presentations, I think we lost that game because it wasn't really uh, a big up and about day. And this sort of compounded the losses as well. Is that um, someone had broken, not really broken into, but had snuck into the coach's room mm -hmm. downstairs at the club where the entrance of the club is, and had stolen uh, back in the day. Uh, Trent Cooper, um, who's the brother-in-law of um, Stiff, yep. was coaching as well, yep. and uh, had stolen uh, Trent's bag mm -hmm. that had all of his house keys in there, car keys, and um, an iPad. Jeez. So he's gone downstairs going, oh, someone's shifted something down there and uh, we've sort of got to, you know, sort of get, get onto it. So we've um, looked at the um, camera footage down here. We've seen this individual walk in, walk out with the bag and that was um, the extent of that. And then someone had a, a broad idea. Well, you know, back in the day when you still do, you have the find my phone or find my device um, thing 
parked up on your yeah, um, yeah, yeah. on on your on your device, yep. and um, it was activated, <laughs> and we're like, here we, here we go. So after having a few beers up here, um, Greg Harding's Mrs. Chelsea uh, offered to drive us and start chasing down his iPad. Yeah. So the A team consisted of Chelsea driver, Greg Harding, navigator, um, Amesy in the back seat, yeah. Tony Knott in the back seat, uh, and Trent Cooper as well. I think in a different car. So we're chasing this red dot on a map uh, and it ended out I think in like Canning Vale or close to Armadale. What a great suburb of someone who's, you know, shifted <laughs> something from the footy club. And anyway, it proceeded with us really going head to head with this, uh, this red dot. We ended up finding it at a location. Uh, we jumped out of, the, uh, out of the car and started to knock on the door. And uh, that's just, if you hear the clinking in the background, that's just George, old mate Georgie George getting, our uh, get, getting our frothies ready <laughs> and uh, not giving an absolute damn about what's happening here. <laughs> Hey, good on you, Georgie. Yeah. So we ended up um, ended up uh, tracking down the iPad into this very very sketchy house in uh, in Armadale or Maddington yeah. or Canningvale or somewhere south of the river, and uh, this guy comes out and tries to make peace with Greg. So Greg's gone. You've stolen this. We can see it in there. The guy said, "Okay, hey, look, you know, we, we didn't know it was yours." You know pulling all the strings that you would try to get out of what's happening here. Anyway, someone ended up knowing that it was Greg Harding who played for Fremantle, oh, yeah. right? And come out with a peace offering, this big, long case, like a pool stick case, presented to Greg <laughs> as a peace offering, a Fremantle Dockers pool cue. <laughs> and we're going, what is going on here? Like... Absolute left field. No, sorry, mate. Like we didn't know it was yours, and you know we don't know how it got here. What an but, offering. but hey, here's a Fremantle Dockers custom pool stick. <laughs> Most probably just as shifted as what the uh, iPad was as well. Anyway, to cut a long story short, we travelled halfway around Perth to um, track down this iPad, but there was still some stuff missing. Yeah, okay. And um, it wasn't at the residence, but we got a bit of information out of the guys that were there to say, hey, it's at this location. Here's a contact number. We'll go pick it up the next day. So we ended up picking up the next day. We travelled all the way out to Mirabuka. Yeah. Um, I had a watermelon in my hand that was sitting in the back of the car and Chelsea's uh, uh, horse riding hat. There's a photo of me floating around with like a watermelon and and this hat on. I think I had a few too many beers in celebration <laughs> the night before. And we ended up we ended up at the Hungry Jacks in Mirabuka, where Mirabuka Square is. And we ended up waiting for the people that were there. They didn't rock up. But then Greg, again being the superstar of the Fremantle Dockers, <laughs> he had this um, person rock up to him that um, – and, you know, obviously we uh, are very blessed with, um, you know, our mental and our physical capacity. Yeah. But there was a lot of um, either intellectually or um, physically impaired individuals that would be at the Frio's game. and. Mm. We all know Greg is an absolute legend when it comes to supporting the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does all the stuff out um, and his property with um, his horses and that sort of stuff. And there was one of his supporters that uh, 
wouldn't leave Greg alone. Now, we're hungover from the night before. We're trying to track down these keys and some further um, infrastructure, uh, some, some, some further IT stuff. And there was this supporter um, of such capacity that wouldn't stop asking Greg about questions about Fremantle and about his playing career. And Greg, who's an absolute bloody ripper, gave him 100% of his time and attention. But it took us like 45 minutes to get this bloke yeah, off Greg's right. shoulder um, as a hard tag. <laughs> we ended up driving then to Macca's in Maylands to get some more of the stuff. To cut a long story short, it took us 24 hours, but we got everything back um, and the A-team story assembled and we, uh, we saved the day. And P- Paul Q, did that get taken? As the, did the peace offering get I taken? Think, I think Stiff might still have it. Yeah, that'd be it's un- in, it's if he pouring. has that, that'd be unreal. It's in the and I'll think about putting it on eBay. Um, <laughs> Um, all right, so the year you got to round 13 and you were running at 100% efficiency and why this happened? That's right. Okay, <laughs> so there was a newspaper report. Yeah. And there's Talon Ames uh, photoed in colour. It's in my scrapbook. Uh, <laughs> next to my locker and I'm feeling pretty chuffed with myself. Yeah, yeah. Going 100% efficiency. It's for it's halfway through the season. We could say round thirteen, did it? Yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. That um, for players that have had a hundred disposals or more, what their what their efficiency was. Yeah. Now, because I was playing full back, and because I think back in the day, a long release kick out of defensive fifty, no matter whether it turned over or hit the ground, was deemed a an effective How disposal. Did that work? It was just clear in the area, yeah, so right. it was deemed to be yeah, right. um, effective and effective for your team instead of being turned over and sort of stuff. Interesting. Like. Um, and I think I had 101 disposals. <laughs> but at 100%. At 100%. Clip. And I was like, well, I'll take that. Who said you can't kick the footy? There you go. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, I think half of them would have been turned over or half of them would have been kicked to space yeah. and half of them would have just been kicked as a safety mechanism so that – I didn't get tackled and that the ball just had to be released long down the line. Yeah, I love that. So there you go. So Wish I wish they counted that. I now. was I was I think I was I think I had hundred and one or hundred and two disposals at hundred percent efficiency. No one else was doing that. No one else club. was doing that. Yeah. Especially fullback. Unreal. Um <laughs> best <laughs> kick at the club. Um in so in two thousand and eleven, I believe the club or Smarty in particular, Phil Smart. Currently, the operations manager has been for a while. Cheers, Georgie. Um, wanted Ben Colreevy to play with two teeth knocked out. And I hear this is something you might not have been happy with. or And I believe you expressed that. I did. So this is at Claremont, uh, at Claremont Oval, where this is obviously before the redevelopment. And their change rooms are shit house. Mm. Like they're really pokey, uh, for those of you that know the change rooms there. And Colreevy got clipped on the wing. Uh, got hit obviously really hard. Yep. His two front teeth like snapped halfway through. Uh, obviously wasn't wearing a mouth guard, I don't think. Yeah, you'd um, assume so if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for insurance purposes, I don't want to throw money under the bus. <laughs> um, so obviously wasn't wearing a mouth guard and opted. I think it, I'm pretty sure it was late in the fourth quarter, like halfway through the fourth quarter and – I'm, I can't recall whether we won the game or I dare say if it was against Claremont, we may have lost the game, <laughs> but we were maybe in it. And we're, after the game, we're obviously debriefing. Smarty comes in and absolutely feeds Ben Colreevy, saying he's a weak prick. You know, if you're playing footy, 
you're not bleeding. Your teeth don't matter. Just jump back out on so the field. So he came off and didn't want to go back on or something. That's correct. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, the medical staff are on the ground trying to find his, like literally trying to find his teeth yeah. and put in a bag of milk to take to the um, emergency dentist. And I stood up and I fed it back at Phil Smart. And I was like, don't you speak to Ben Colreavy like that? Like really aggressively fed. And then Phil and I went head to head for about five minutes. I wish I was there. About um, Colreavy's teeth. Um, and the reason I was I'm a little bit passionate about teeth is because I've had braces and my teeth are fairly straight still um, and I look after them well. I go to the dentist every six months for my clean and my scale and my check. I still do this day. Uh, and my mum always said, if you ever get those teeth whacked out, I'm literally going to kill you about <laughs> the amount of money that I spent on your teeth. You will wear a mouth guard with whatever you do. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'm just I'm, – I'm passionate about – making sure you got a nice smile and you look after your and teeth for the rest of your life. And Smarty heard about it. And Smarty heard about it, full, <laughs> full brunt, and he did not agree with me. He thought that I was a weak prick as well for thinking like that for someone who should have been out on the field after he's got his teeth oh, whacked out. Doesn't sound like Smarty. Doesn't sound like Smarty at all. Now, the kitty for events on Mad Monday, you've, we've already touched on this, but so for Mad Mondays and social events, you were often the chief organiser, as we've said, and from all reports, a very, very good one. Um, and part of this would be, part of this would include drumming up extra money for the kitty for any festivities that need to be needed to be continued at these events. Um, on top of the initial any initial payment that might have been required. Um, now there are rumours that the additional money drummed up for the kitty. Have actually been a bit of cream on top for yourself, with some even suggesting that the purchase of your house may have been funded by the additional payments. <laughs> oh, I would ask for your comments, but I think you've already you're already dispelling those rumours and and strongly denying. Strongly denied, and uh, I will a hundred percent say that I'm innocent until le until legitimate facts. <laughs> come up and prove yeah, me otherwise. Well, there was mention of if your um, books ever got audited, you wouldn't pass. But anyway, that's all right. Uh, well, being the successful uh, businessman that I am at this point in time <laughs> and uh, I have actually forensic accountants running over my books, um, you wouldn't find out anyway. So you denied. So denied. But uh, trying to get any money out of anyone at any stage, yeah. like we do fines – like two or three buck fines. So you're, Mate, throwing, you're throwing it back on. I'm, you're throwing it back on. I'm them. throwing it back on the playing group to say that without my organisational skills and my uh, chief financial officing, <laughs> we wouldn't have had anybody yeah, functions okay. or good times in the past. Yeah, and, and there might be some who actually probably owe you money. Um, example: Mick Embley, yeah. side gates, side, side gates, barbecues, bills, and that yeah. sort of stuff. So, um, and for those that want to sort of spook up about it, right? And I reckon I know a few of the guys that are most probably thrown <laughs> under, under, under the bus here. Until you put your hands in your own pocket <laughs> and pay the gaps that you aren't aware about that I've taken out of my pocket, then I reckon you should just uh, enjoy what you get given and uh, not complain yeah, anymore. Cop that. So if they ever come on, they, they can have their say. But yeah, for now, they're coughing that. Yeah, I like that. Um, the, ne the last couple, and this this will finish us off because we've, we've taken up plenty of time and I don't want to take up any more of your time and the content's been unreal. They're, the last couple actually related to your footy. So one thing that came through was your unique ability to spoil to a player which the players greatly appreciated to the point where they wanted you to spoil rather than dispose of the footy because your accuracy, they felt, 
was better in terms of spoiling to them rather than maybe handballing or kicking to them. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Uh, there was just, as I've said, I wasn't a very skillful player. Uh, the length between my hands and my foot in a ball drop was desired to be looked at. There's been a couple of times where you can actually see in the vision in the vision that my ball drop is just is deplorable. Yeah. Um, even and actually sort of worked a couple of times. I started kicking the ball laces down. That, was that a Greg Harding? That was, yeah. that was I've, I've caught that same right. tip when my kicking yeah. wasn't going too good for all. Is that where if the laces are down, the, that's the heavier part of the ball, so the ball would drop faster before it starts to get on the piss? Yeah. So um, <laughs> it actually worked, um, and I started kicking the ball with the laces down. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I suppose – and that's why I was also a very strong um, enforcer of voice is that if I knew where the players were – when I was in the air, I would be able to direct the ball Massive, in yeah. in the right way. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that would be. I suppose that would be. Um, you need to have like little sound effects, like ding. We like, got we've got some, but I don't know if we've got that. To be honest, what like are that. you looking for? You're looking for like, like a, a like a bell, like correct. Ding. Hang on. Oh, the best I can give you, I reckon, is. Is that the first time you've used a sound effect on the yeah, pod? Yeah, during the actual pod. You actually should get more of that happening, I reckon. Oh, yeah. You know what? I probably should. I probably should. We'll have to look into that. Um, We're like two and a half hours yeah, deep and you just use a sound effect. Do you, reckon anyone, do you reckon anyone will get this long? I don't, <laughs> I don't maybe, care. Maybe my I've, mum and dad. I've enjoyed it. Um, the, la- the last one, I've, I've, I'm, I'm skipping out a segment here just because I wanted to focus on this, all right? So just, just anyone complaining. This could put You could put that other segment as like bonus. Yeah, content. Bonus content. Yeah, that's a good point. And have it as like a snippet. Oh, we might do that then actually. Snippet. We'll still yeah. record it. Yeah, right. So... The last one I wanted to touch on in terms of the dirt on Amesy, well, it's been info yeah, and learning, let's be honest. Um, your memories of the last quarter for the 2010 grand final and in particular in reference to Jets being knocked out, I was told to ask you about. Um, I'm not sure why <laughs> you would ask me. Great story, they reckon. Because I think I'm still finding out whether I handed – David Crawford off to Matt Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Spencer or if that actually happened, right? But uh, it happened, uh, would have been on the wing or maybe just uh, back of wing where Ninette and uh, Jets went head-to-head for a contest mm. and uh, they went, they clashed and obviously uh, they fell to the ground and Ninette is in a world of hurt and Jets sort of, Bounced back, but I think he was. I think from what I saw, I think he was taking the piss a little bit. Like he just needed a bit of a rest, uh, which was great for us because we're all gassed. We're like, hey, Jets, like just chill out and yeah. take it easy and let yeah. us sort of recoup and get our breath back. Um, and then they started like boxing on and it all sort of going a bit pear shaped. Uh, but then all of a sudden, like Jets is on the bench and we've won the game, and Jets is like now fully recovered, like he's Jesus. <laughs> Like, hey, like I've just been like, you know, told to come off a concussion and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, hey, I'm just back to real life all of a sudden. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure why I was the uh, the respondent for, for such uh, an event with Jets, but I know that the contact was pretty heavy duty. Yeah. Um, they both slid off the ground because um, they hit with such pace. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was another pivotal moment of that last quarter that 
still kept us in the game. We were still red hot on them. Um, and But, yeah, Jets is an absolute legend for doing that. He just put his body on the line and, um, you know, so so deep into that game that yeah. um, it still gave us that fire to keep on going. And he didn't, didn't miss out on the celebration. Of course not. As I said, as, <laughs> as soon as the siren went, like there was no concussion protocols or there was no – concussion feelings he was just like away we go no, like nothing main, happened that's the main thing yeah there you go yeah um well that wraps us up we'll have this little bonus segment but we'll sign off before we do that um i appreciate the time taken um i have had a good laugh and also just a good insight into to the career that you sort of had in your time at the club and how much of an impact not only the, the club had on you I think and your career had on you but also the impact and influence you had the other way on the club and a lot of the a lot of the guys who have come through the club um, at the same time as you or after you that you had an influence on so um nah, it's been great and I hope that everyone who listens to it um, enjoys it as much as I did so thanks very much for coming on and giving us some of your time no, no worries at all Brandon and uh, yeah it's an absolute pleasure to be a part of uh, the podcast which uh righto George <laughs> George, George, George is like, ah, you boys, wrap it up. We got stuff happening here tonight. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's been a ribbon to be on, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, whoever gets on here, um, you know, give it your all because um, you know this is now recorded in history, and uh, you're doing a ripper job, Brandon, and um, all the very best for yourself uh, and the 2023 Black Ducks Thanks, um, for the rest of the season. Appreciate it. Cheers.